ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. This month, YPulse, the leading authority on Gen Z and millennial opinions and behaviors, has just released their deep dive trend report on young consumers and their attitudes around diversity and inclusion. Mary Lee Bliss, YPulse's VP of content, is here to discuss what YPulse's research can tell us. Mary Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Half of Gen Z and millennials self-identify as BIPOC, which makes them a much more diverse generation than previous generations. And as a result, these generations' attitudes and expectations about representation and inclusion are critical for brands looking to engage with these consumers. And we've seen in earlier surveys that we've discussed that activism in this arena of diversity was one of the most supported and even expected types of corporate activism for this generation. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation and diving into how young consumers are feeling about this issue. But before we jump into that study, can you just give us a top line about the population you survey, your method? and margin of error. Absolutely. So YPulse is the leading youth research group completely focused on Gen Z and millennials. We are serving 13 to 39 year olds in the U.S. and planning an international expansion coming soon. Um, And we survey them all about their behaviors, the trends that they're driving and their affinity for brands. Our surveys are nationally representative, so they're balanced across gender and race and more. And um, each of our surveys is looking at a base of N of 1,000. So it's a small margin of error and near real-time look at how young consumers are feeling. Fantastic. So first, let's just touch base about the demographics and about what the U.S. looks like, because things have really shifted and every generation sits within their own space and doesn't necessarily see the changes in the makeup of the other generations. For example, if you're a Gen Xer and, you know, maybe you're in senior leadership and you remember when MTV launched, MTV denies that there was racism. Michael Jackson's label had to threaten that they wouldn't allow any of their music on the channel unless they played his single and black performers started being seen on the channel. And so this is something that Gen X viewers didn't even maybe notice, uh, but obviously because their generation was more white than our current generation. Can you just take us through so people really understand the shift that's happened? Absolutely. So every generation in the U.S. since the silent generation has gotten more and more diverse. Um, So the racial makeup balance, so to speak, has been shifting from a dominant white, non-Hispanic to now uh, with Gen Z, an even balance of white, non-Hispanic and BIPOC consumers. So um, Gen X, we'll start with them, 60% um, white, non-Hispanic and 40% BIPOC among millennials, 55% white, non-Hispanic, and 45% BIPOC. Now, Gen Z, who we've long called at at Y-Pulse the diversity tipping point generation, is the first generation in the U.S. to be 50% BIPOC. Um, And this will continue um, with every generation. 
So, you know, for brands who, yes, there has been a history in media, in marketing, that there is a huge lag uh, of representation, not really being in speed and in step with the uh, way, the reality of racial uh, allocation of the actual population. Mm. And now that we've gotten to a point where Gen Z is half BIPOC, representation is not a nice to have. It's, it is an absolute must among brands who want to have a long lasting life with the next generations of consumers. Yeah, you got to do it. So last July, we talked about your trend report on young consumers and activism. And one of the themes that emerged was that these generations of consumers were using their spending power to make change. And 74% agreed that buying products that supported the causes they believed in made them feel better. And two of the top 10 issues that these generations were interested in were Black Lives Matter and racism. So that, again, reinforces what you just said, that this is a real issue. This is a a money issue. This is a bottom line issue. So if we were to call it a headline for brands from this, if they take away nothing else from our conversation, do a brand's diversity efforts or lack of them have an impact on consumer behavior? They absolutely do. And that was one of the main goals of this report, representation in action. Um, we have talked at Y Pulse in the past about the demands that young consumers have for representation. The fact that they have been asking to be shown, to be shown on screen, to be included uh, in the entertainment that they are consuming. And um, we've said that for years. We revisit that in this report, but mm-hmm. a large percentage of the research that we did here was to look at the actual impact of representation. So for brands that have been inclusive, that have made the changes, that have you know, heard the demands and, and actually created content that is representative and inclusive, what has that meant? And has there, is there a change in young consumers purchasing and media consumption behaviors when a brand is being inclusive. And what we found is absolutely diversity efforts impact young consumers purchasing plans and behavior directly and racial uh, diversity is crucial among industries, but for media as well, they are flocking to the media sources that they see as most diverse and inclusive. So let's talk about a few concrete examples. Um, Nike, what are they doing and what are young consumers saying? When we look at our brand data um, and we are tracking youth affinity for over 400 brands on a daily basis, we have, you know, constant uh, surveys that are being fielded, looking at brand performance across many youth specific diagnostics and then an overall performance of brand affinity score. Um, And Nike consistently is in the top ranking of brands that young consumers overall have affinity for, and then perform, they perform incredibly highly on many of the specific diagnostics. But when we look specifically at, you know, the fashion and apparel brands that young consumers plan to use and buy from, 
mm-hmm. and have used and buy from, Nike is in the top three, um, you know, up there with Walmart and Amazon. Um, they're really actually one of the few um, label specific brands mm-hmm. and not retailers that um, young consumers plan to use and buy from. And when we look at why uh, Nike is the top brand that BIPOC young consumers feel do a good job representing them uh. and do a good job with inclusivity and diversity. Um, it's a top brand that they feel understands their race and ethnicity well. When we ask young consumers about why Nike is a favorite brand, representation comes up consistently. Of course, there are other things at play, you know, product quality, well, absolutely. Marketing, yes. But young consumers tell us that the fact that they're showing many different people using their products, the fact that they included uh, Colin Kaepernick and made him the face of a brand when so many people would not, um, mm. that there's diversity in gender, in, in race and ethnicity, um, in ability, um, in their, their social media and their marketing. You know, these are things that young consumers talk about when they are explaining why they love Nike as a brand. Well, right. If we think about culture and the understanding of culture, part of that is that people see themselves. I mean, you know, Gina Davis has a foundation that tracks portrayals of women in media, and she feels it's important for girls to see women in leading roles, doing things rather than simply being plot objects. And she says, if you can see it, you can be it. And there was a study, they found that the show X-Files inspired women in STEM, and it, it actually, it's called the Scully effect. So we know that seeing it, representation really matters. And you had mentioned earlier about media. And so what about media? How are young consumers feeling about the representation of the media that they're consuming? Has it improved? Yeah, so we delved into representation and the demands that young consumers um, had for representation in a trend report in 2016 mm-hmm. called the Diversity Tipping Point. Um, so we were able to actually compare some of that data um, with what we're seeing now. And, you know, in, in the last five years, there have been massive strides um, made in terms of representation. And we saw that really clearly in the data that BIPOC young consumers are feeling more represented. Um, you know, the number of BIPOC young consumers who feel that entertainment does a good job of representing minority groups went from 46% in 2016 to 63% in 2021. Now, that, that's great. That's great improvement. But nobody should be like wiping their hands off <laughs> Resting and on their themselves loyals. on the back <laughs> and saying we did it um, right. because there's absolutely, you know, very clearly a long way to go. BIPOC young consumers are feeling the majority, 65%, that their identity is not being uh, fully represented and that parts of their identities are being discriminated against. Um, The number one thing that they feel are being underrepresented or discriminated against is their race, ethnicity, when they look at media. Um, So, you know, absolutely, they're they're still wanting more um, because, uh, you know, (laughs) an improvement is great, um, but it's not the end game. Um, There's still a long ways to go because when you're looking at the full spectrum of media, not just one media source, of course, they're still seeing um, a lot of, of uh, you know, gaps and a lot of uh, discrimination, you know, um, mm-hmm. huge entities, you know, you and I actually have spoken about. Um, you know, from award shows and beyond where um, BIPOC young people and creators, um, and this happens on social media as well, are not getting the credit that they deserve, they feel they deserve and do deserve, um, and the spotlight that they they deserve. And so there's still a ways to go. But yes, 
there have been improvements for sure. So in your survey, I mean, because obviously part of it is, is seeing themselves, seeing their own identity. And so we can have the the 65%, but that's looking at the generation as a whole. Did you break out the results by demographics and are some groups happier than others with where things stand? Yeah. So that 65% was actually among BIPOC young consumers. Okay. Uh, so 65% of BIPOC young consumers feel that aspects of their identity are uh, currently being underrepresented or discriminated against. That's uh, highest among African-American Black young consumers, hmm. uh, followed by Asian and other, um, and then Hispanic. But it's the majority of all of those races, ethnicities. Um, so certainly, um, you know, it, it's it's a universal, that, that representation of all groups um, of underrepresented young people needs to be improved. There was some interesting um, data that, that indicates that for young consumers overall, representation is about more than race and ethnicity, though uh, pretty consistently we found that that's the first thing that they're looking for. Mm. Um, That being said, the majority of white and non-Hispanic consumers also feel that aspects of their identity are being underrepresented or discriminated against. So, So you know, like body size, sexual orientation. Exactly. So when we dig into what aspects of their identity they're talking about among white and non-Hispanic consumers, body measurement is number one, mental Mm -hmm. and physical disabilities to religious beliefs, number three. Um, And when we look at the aspects of their identity that are being underrepresented among BIPOC young consumers, race and ethnicity is number one among all groups. Um, So, uh, you know, of course, representation means a lot of things and inclusion means a lot of things and the line isn't drawn at race and ethnicity. Mm -hmm. Um, But it certainly, I think, is the first uh, step that brands need to be making if they haven't taken any strides forward yet. Right, right. Well, we've seen some racial recasting. Bridgerton, which is based upon a Regency romance novel, um, that if it was historically accurate to Edwardian England, wouldn't have had a mixed race cast. But it did really well. So it looks like jumping from at least from book to screen, racial recasting works. What about franchises? Are fans comfortable with changing the race of Captain America or the gender of James Bond? Yeah, this was so interesting. Um, you know, we we already knew that the majority of young consumers and BIPOC young consumers feel that more TV shows and movies should star non-white actors and actresses. As you said, you know, there should be more representation. They're looking for themselves. Um, but we dug into, you know, what kind of roles they'd like to see um, BIPOC actors uh, really starring in and thinking of things like, you um, you know, the most recent series of Captain America, where Anthony Mackie actually, spoiler alert, takes over the role <laughs> of Captain America um, and uh, into the Spider-Verse, where, you know, you see final Miles Morales is like the first um, African-American Spider-Man. You know, there have been little steps forward. So we wanted to see, you know, who else would they want to see recast with a BIPOC actor? Superheroes were, you know, huge on the list. Batman was number one, Captain America two, Spider-Man was four and Wonder Woman was five. Three on the list were classic Disney princesses. And actually Disney, I think, delayed because of COVID, but they have a live action Ariel in the works. And the star of that is slated to be uh, an African-American singer who um, I think will be amazing and will be the first, um, I think, live action BIPOC princess. So these things are happening, but there's really clear demand that young consumers have been consistent about for many years. 
Right. Can brands that have images that have their roots in stereotypes change? Uncle Ben's or Aunt Jemima and and they've changed, but will those changes work? Are consumers going to say, yeah, okay. Or are they going to be like, no, your roots are, are bad. So we're not going to yeah. go for it. So I think brands are, you know, living in fear of cancel culture and in our research on causes and activism among young consumers that we did in 2020, not waiting for the world to change. That trend report found that the majority of young people feel that cancel culture is a powerful tool for change. It is a way that they're calling out things that they believe need to shift, which means that those who are called out have the opportunity to make those changes. And we found that really clearly in this data. We asked young people, is, is it ever too late <laughs> for right. a brand to actually make changes? The majority, 80% of BIPOC consumers agreed that older brands and services can adapt to become better at representation. I think a really key thing here that we see pretty consistently across our, our research on young consumers and brands is that one thing that needs to happen is an acknowledgement of the missteps that have been made in the past. So yes, rebranding Aunt Jemima to Pearl Milling Company, absolutely essential. Um, mm -hmm. You know, same thing with Eskimo Pie and uh, Uncle Ben's and all the other brands that in the last year have made these proclamations that they'll be changing their branding to be le less racist. Right. Uh, those are, you know, big essential changes, but also acknowledging that these changes are being made because we were racist in the past is really essential. I think a, a, an ownership of the, the things that have been done that are wrong is, is something that brands are often hesitant to do, but really need to happen for, for young consumers to move forward with them. So for instance, Land O'Lakes changing, removing the native uh, woman from Land O'Lakes. And so doing something like that and saying, you know, we are doing, it's not just a rebrand that you then slide in there, but you're saying right. we are actively doing this because we want to be more inclusive. We feel this is the right way to be. So that that's part that of what's important. Yes. And this Absolutely. is, and, and you surveyed about that and they said that explicitly. We've seen that in previous research, absolutely. Uh, when we ask young consumers about um, brands making mistakes and the first things that they need to do, um, mm -hmm. one of the first, the top responses is that they need to own and admit that they have made a mistake before you know we can move forward. So it applies to all sorts of mistakes, not just representation and diversity, but you know, as brands right. are making these changes and they're becoming more common, I think it's important. You can make the, the logo change, that has to happen. Right. And young consumers are open to using your brand as, you know, when you are more representative um, and they're not going to cut you off at the knees. But a major element of that change should be owning what you've done in the past. Right. So we have we have logo changes. We have statements. A lot of brands issue statements sure. um, or, or, or or they yes, or they include diversity in their ads. And this is this sufficient. I mean, obviously, it's necessary, but are consumers looking under the hood at the internal diversity of a business? You know, it's really, really interesting how savvy young consumers are. Um, it's it's something that we always have to remind brands that young consumers are looking at more than just what you're showing them. They're looking at what you're doing behind the scenes. Um, and certainly, you know, the first things that they want is to see themselves. 
So when we ask about what brands can do to reflect diversity and be inclusive, you know, the number one thing that BIPOC young consumers say is, of course, featuring diverse models and actors in advertising. But the number two thing that they say separated by only a couple of percentage points mm. is having a diverse staff and hiring diverse employees. They're thinking mm. about the, the makeup of the internal organization, not just what they're displaying to the world. Having an employee or team dedicated to diversity and inclusivity efforts, that's in the top five of what brands can do. Um, and then of course, you know, when Black Lives Matter was, you know, really taking over uh, social media feeds last summer, there was a lot of call-outs and backlash against brands who were just posting that cookie-cutter statement of support, black mm-hmm. background, white font. You know, you saw it from many brands, right. and they were and they were called out because what young consumers want to know is what are the actual steps you're taking to support my community? What are the actual changes? Spell it out for me. And again, we saw that really clearly in our in our activism and causes research search um, in 2020, that they need to know the the specifics and it cannot just be lip service. Well, I guess, you know, it's one thing to say that you care. A consumer can say, yeah, I care. But do they do the research? Do they switch the brand loyalty um, because they've looked at hiring practices and, you know, has, have, I guess, have you posed the question, have you switched? Have you changed mm-hmm. because of one of these things? Is that, uh, you know, where they've actually taken the action? Yeah, absolutely. So again, with this report, you know, one of the things was uh, we wanted to do was to look at demand mm-hmm. for inclusivity. But another major thing that we wanted to see was how it was actually impacting their purchasing um, and their their um, media choices as well. And what we found was that the majority of young consumers have changed a brand or stopped buying from a brand um, because of some sort of exclusionary or racist behavior from that brand. The number one thing that they have, uh, they said they've stopped buying from a brand because of was that a CEO or president said something racist. Um, Over a quarter of both BIPOC and white non-Hispanic young consumers say that they have stopped buying from a brand because the president or CEO said something racist. A quarter, over a quarter of both these groups have stopped buying from a brand because they had this logo or packaging. Um, So yeah, they're, they're stopping. um, They're stopping support of brands when they see behavior, racist and exclusionary actions and messaging and marketing 100%. Wow. That's really, that's so interesting and so powerful. You know, we spoke earlier about the specifics around Nike. Um, Another brand that you called out was Fenty. Can you tell us a little bit about what Fenty's doing? Yeah, so Fenty, in in both the Fenty brands, so there's Fenty Beauty and um, Savage by Fenty, and both of them are brands by Rihanna, and both brands have made um, representation a core tenet of the brand from the outstart. So, you know, really being hyper-focused on inclusivity from skin color to body size and beyond. And for Fenty Beauty, they were the first brand to um, makeup brand to provide makeup in a range of skin tones that was truly inclusive. Mm. Um, you know, they've so important. <laughs> become the industry standard. And in the wake of Fenty Beauty launching, um, not only has it become 
you know, very quickly, it's a young brand, a top 10 cosmetic brand that young consumers will use and buy from. But in the wake of their launch, you know, huge industry titans also began to release their own inclusive lines of uh, makeup. It's, um, it's interesting. I saw a company talking about um, sunscreen and sunscreen that had zinc. So it's, it's a barrier sunscreen, but this makes it challenging for certain colorations. And they actually did a whole write-up about they're working on it, but this is what makes it challenging, but they're aware of it and they want to accomplish it. And I thought that was a, a preemptive and interesting step to take. Yeah. Again, I think that transparency, right. That, you know, you're not um, just ignoring the problem that it's something you're working on. That is key. Um, And I think young consumers are open to being witness to the process of a brand working towards progress and um, then being there when, when they achieve it um, and not holding it against them. If they are truly being transparent and, and talking about those steps that they're, that they're taking. Absolutely. Right. I mean, so it sounds like some of the takeaways for brands are, you know, it matters like headline, it matters. <laughs> Pay attention. Yeah. Incremental change is better than no change. Don't fear changing. Consumers are going to embrace it. Fear not changing because sure. consumers are going to penalize you for it. Is there any other sort of big headline that a brand should should file away in the way they think about it? I think the brands that make inclusivity central to their mission and um, a real focus and not just lip service are succeeding with young consumers and brands who do not are being left behind. Media sources are a key example of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we spoke about Netflix. You mentioned Bridgerton. Netflix has for years been producing content that is more representative than you might see elsewhere. But we wanted to really look at young consumers' media sources and which they believe are inclusive and diverse. Mm. And in fact, Netflix was number one among both BIPOC young consumers and white non-Hispanic young consumers. Mm. YouTube number two, social media number three. But what's really interesting is the media sources that they believe offer inclusive and diverse entertainment line up completely with the media sources that they use to watch video content weekly. So they are choosing the media sources that they believe have inclusive and diverse entertainment. When we look at our media consumption tracker, which we field every quarter and looks at what the media sources that they're watching weekly are, their screens and more, Netflix is is the number one, YouTube number two, depending a little bit on what group you're looking at. But Mm. these are the top rankings of, of where they are going for their entertainment by far. And when you think about cord cutting, of course, again, just like being having a favorite brand, there's a lot at play there. There's mm-hmm. a lot of reasons that young consumers have cut the cord. But for years, uh, a lot of the conversation has been focused on you know, convenience and price. And absolutely, those are factors. But what hasn't necessarily been discussed as much is that young consumers have been looking for and migrating to the media sources where they're seeing themselves represented. So they're true. So true. And it hasn't been part of it hasn't been part of the um, conversation. And you're absolutely right that it it is that um, the content that culturally speaks to them and why does it culturally speak to them? Well, if it's got diverse creators and diverse cast, it feels more authentic to the world they live in. 
the culture yeah. they participate in. Absolutely. Gen Z has grown up on YouTube. They are self-curating their entertainment. Mm. And YouTube and social media are two of the top places where they're seeing people who look like them. And so they are deciding to get their entertainment there. It's not the only reason, but it's absolutely a driving reason. And for Netflix, have you know, made inclusivity, you know, they're now producing an, an anti-racist baby uh, kids show. Um, you know, it continues to be a real, a real theme of the, the original content that they're, they're creating. I think another key thing that Netflix has done um, and continues to do is that they're hiring BIPOC creators to right. make these shows. Right. So, you know, Shonda Rhimes being one of the biggest example. And then we have um, the fact that the streaming service has brought on the creator of Doc McStuffins, um, which is, you know, uh, a great, you know, was a great start in representation in children's entertainment. Now, Chris Nee, um, who created uh, Doc McStuffins, is working for Netflix to create multiple shows. I believe there's five in development, in, including um, Ibrant X Kendi's Anti-Racist Baby, turning that from a, a, a child's book into a series. I think Mindy Kaling is another great example and Never Have I Ever, one of the, the few shows I think that is really uh, has an Indian American female lead hiring creators who are BIPOC um, to tell those stories is, is another essential part for, for media and marketing. Right. Well, this has been, this has been so great, so interesting and so important. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next, and I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.